This is Soccer City. Well, we've reached the midway point of our first season together, this show that digs deep into the soccer community across New York City while enjoying a look at the global game as well. Fittingly, it's All-Star Week in Major League Soccer. New York City FC features two selections for the match, which is Wednesday in Atlanta, the MLS All-Stars versus Juventus, David Villa and Alex Ring. Although V is going to miss the match, and more on that later in the program, along with a review of the two road matches in 72 hours for the boys in blue. Former NYCFC winger Jack Harrison, who signed with Manchester City during uh, MLS preseason, has been loaned to another championship side. And I'll visit with Harrison's agent, Remy Charon, for some of the backstory on Harrison, plus Charon's life as a player agent. And the high school students from NYU School of Professional Studies, they returned for another Soccer on the Block. And just to review this inaugural collaboration, the New York City Mayor's Office, along with WNYE, NYCFC, and NYU, selected 10 outstanding students to study and report on how soccer impacts the community. They've learned interview technique and the broadcast side, owning the Soccer on the Block segment for two more weeks here on Soccer City. With Manchester City in town last week preparing for the Liverpool match in the International Champions Cup, our students had some unique opportunities, including a chance to attend the match on Wednesday night at MetLife Stadium. Their segment this week incorporates some of the activities surrounding the visit of the English Premier League champions, plus a unique program in the city. So here they are. Hello, my name is Piero. And I'm Serene. We're here at Pier 84 at the Man City Bus Tour. Interviewing some players and fans. What's your name? Mike. Tomo. What brings you here to the Manchester City Tour Bus? I heard about the you know, pop-up shop for the, uh, for the game today where you can get a picture with the trophy. And uh, I figured, you know, it's something, something special. They're bringing it over here to New York. And why not take a chance and uh, get a picture with the trophy? Uh, I want to see the Premier League trophies when they won last season. I've been a fan for uh, about, you know, uh, seven, eight years now, and uh, it's been fun. It's been like uh, 10 years. What makes the team so special? Why do you like it so much? They've got some really excited players, not just scorers, but also some really, you know, physical uh, aerial defenders and also some exciting playmakers. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is a top five player in the world, in my opinion. And it's not just the way that he finishes the ball, but he, he you can put a highlight package together the way that he just uh, just passes it. And the head coach, Pep Guardiola, has put together uh, a, a fun fun way of, of playing the game, and it's always exciting. Uh, I don't know, because I had Manchester United. <laughs> they always won. They always win, though. You see City winning the Premier League next yeah. season, too? Yeah, next season, yeah. I am a biased observer, but I think I would put them at, at top of the uh, league next year. I think uh, Liverpool is the biggest challenge for them next year. Manchester United, always a difficult team to beat. And uh, I like some of the moves that Arsenal's made this year. So it will be exciting as always. I don't know if City will have as, uh, will run away with it the way that they did this year, but we'll see. Thank you for your time. This has been Serene and Piero. I'm Faris Hymid, and I'm here today with Kimberly Molina. Paul Dickoff is a former professional soccer player, and now he is an ambassador for Manchester City. So, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you do? What I do at the minute, um, I've got a couple of things, but I'm here in New York, obviously in Manchester City, um, as an ex-player, representing them at um, community events. I'm um, head of sport and excellence for a, for a charitable trust, which is called the Loris Trust, and 
um, what we do is we um, we go into state schools in Manchester and the, the main aim initially is to give the kids in state schools the same opportunities within sport as the ones in private schools get. Um, it covers a whole lot of things. Um, for instance, we've got a lot of kids that are really excelling in sport, um, so I try and give them my experiences, I try and mentor them. So I know you're a football ambassador, uh, could you go in, in detail what that is? Yeah, it's, it's just various things, you know, um, especially Manchester City are con concerns, you know, I do a lot of travelling. Um, so recently um, I've been in Vietnam, been in Singapore, been in India, um, been in China, and obviously I've been in New York a few times, and there's loads of different things, you know, so um, a lot of it is community-based and, and doing a lot of fan events, so the club are getting that big globally now. Um, that the fan bases is hitting lots of different countries. So whenever Manchester City are playing big matches, they tend to put on um, screenings for the fans. Um, and I go along and do question and answers and just talk about my experiences as at Manchester City and as being a footballer. Um, so you say you're, you're here doing a lot of community work. Could you go into detail of what Manchester City is doing for the community? It's phenomenal. Um, you know, not just here in, in New York. We, we had a fantastic event in, in Chicago last week. Um, I've actually done one of the Saturday night lights um, down in East Harlem before, um, when I was here in February. You know, and it's great to see what the club is doing to um, one help the kids get off the street and promote soccer. Um, because I'm a big believer that um, not just in soccer but in any sports, you know, it's it's not just getting taught the skills and getting coached the skills how to how to play football. There's a lot of life skills, you know, a lot of discipline, um, a lot of teamwork involved, you know. And, the teamwork side of it I'm really big on because and it's not just in sport. If you um if you with somebody who's maybe struggling a little bit, um you've got to help them because at some point you'll need them to help you as well. Can you describe the experience and how it was? It was amazing. You know, when I went down there, um I didn't quite know what to expect. Um and when I got there I just seen kids of all um male and female, boys and girls of all age groups just going out and enjoying themselves you know the, the coaches were fantastic but speaking to some of the guys there and, and hearing some of their stories you know the playing soccer and going down to um, the Saturday Night Lights was a, a big big release for them and was giving them a focus in, in what they were doing and and it was voluntary nobody was forcing them to go there you know that's what impressed me the most everybody that was there um, wanted to go there they wanted to go and play soccer they wanted to be involved with friends of all different all, all different races and all different age groups and for me that was just it was amazing to see you know it's as much as people say that we can give things back it's inspiring for me when I go to these events and, and I see what's happening how do young people in like I guess New York and in Manchester help build up communities um, well, the, the people that are working um, with the, the citizens programme and sitting in the community, you know, um, they're, they're great. City have obviously got the Young Leaders programme um, as well, um, which for me is, is an unbelievable initiative. And they can share their experience to the younger kids that are coming through. You know, it gives them somebody, probably for the younger ones, it gives them a mentor, if you like, um, because they have been there before and done it. And it gives them somebody that can guide them and, and look up to as well. And that will go all the way down the generations. Um, and do you see soccer growing more around the world now with all these community-run projects? One hundred percent, and and it brings a smile to my face because it it never ceases to amaze me. And look, I've, I'm so lucky that I do a lot of travelling to different parts of the world with the club, um, and it never ceases to amaze me the the passion um, that they have for soccer. For soccer on the block, this is Kimberly Molina and Ferris Hyman. Good morning, guys. We're here at Piece 83 in East Harlem. 
it's me, Surya, and Michael. We're going to interview a few kids from Soccer Block. Soccer Block is a new initiative with the City and the Community Youth Leadership Council. The their aim is to create a summer program that will help connect communities through a common passion of soccer. This is a free five-week program with a curriculum that aims to maximize learning and leadership skills through drills and team building exercise. Through this program, they want to create a safe space for children to have fun and play soccer in their community. Hi, my name is Marlon. My name is Kami. My name is Jackie. And my name is Alexa. What do you like most about this sport? I like this sport because because it gives instead of being in the house, I could be outside. It's a good workout and it's really fun. It's fun and I get to meet a lot of people. If you were to become a professional soccer player, how would you help kids out? I would um, inspire them and tell them to keep on trying no matter what. I gotta show them more and they could make their dreams come true. How has Soccer Blog helped you do that? I learned that all of us can have fun and that we can make other people come together. <laughs> helped me like connect more to people I don't usually like. Soccer Block does help me. It helps um, I, when I go it gives me more energy to play soccer. What have you learned from them, these programs? I have learned to eat healthy. For Soccer in the Block, I'm Surreal. And I'm Michael. A one more segment upcoming for the students in the NYU program under the direction of their instructor, Dave Felson. Immigration will be their focus next week. Really looking forward to that. New York City FC coach Dolme Tarant has received the full Major League Soccer treatment over the past two weeks. As European coaches past and present realize when they land in America's top-tier league, the schedule can sometimes present severe challenges. Tarant, he's 5-2 and two through 7, and his team is in contention for the Supporters' Shield, trailing Atlanta by four points with a game in hand for the top spot in MLS and the Eastern Conference. But here's a bit of how he was welcomed into the league. Three matches in seven days, all victorious clean sheets, followed by a 12-day break, and then two matches in 72 hours, both on the road, a 2-0 win at Orlando, and then a 3-1 loss in Seattle on Sunday. So here briefly are his comments after the last two matches. I'm not happy tonight. I'm not happy with uh, our performance. And then this from Tehran. I'm very proud uh, our our... Uh, my players because it's not easy. So can you tell me which comment goes with which game? It's not as obvious as it would seem. He was unhappy with his team after the Thursday night win against Orlando while expressing pride despite the loss in the Pacific Northwest on Sunday. Why? Well, it had something to do with playing at 8 p.m. on Thursday in Orlando and then a 2 p.m. match in Seattle on Sunday. I don't, I don't have to make uh, any excuse about that, but it's a, it's a fact. Uh, we have a big problem in the MLS. If, uh, uh, you, play, if you want to play the balance in the MLS, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not fair to play in three, in three days uh, two games, two, 2 p.m., uh, was very very hot uh, after the long trip uh, six hours and three hours in jet lag okay I accept because 
but uh, I'm concerned uh, f uh, about the tiredness, the travel. It's not easy. I, I don't know the the summary about uh, the MLS when uh, one team play in the East Coast, West Coast, West Coast in, in three days and uh, in July and 2 p.m., but okay, that is uh, MLS. Well, Tehran thus joining the parade of MLS coaches who have been and remain puzzled by these sort of sequences in the league's schedule. Nonetheless, Tehran wishes not to criticize his new league, but figure it out. I don't speak about about uh, more time about the MLS, about the trip, the long trip, because I accept I'm new here. It's not MLS coming in, in, in Manchester and in Spain. I come here in the USA. I'm very happy to be part of the MLS. But some, sometimes uh, I ask me, okay, what happened? Why is the reason why? But I accept I'm new here, believe me. And new to his starting role on Sunday was Kwame Awua, the sophomore midfielder, making his first professional start against Seattle in place of Alex Ring, who was serving a yellow card accumulation suspension. And since Ring got was suspended for the five yellow cards, I mean, the coach could have made any decision and I'm happy that he trusted me in, in this game, especially a tough game. They told me yesterday before practice when we were doing before training and I just kept my kept my head down and just kept working, focused on what I need to do and be prepared for the game today. I was a bit amped up but I, I had other things to keep my head away from soccer. I don't like to really think too much about what's gonna happen, especially at a big moment like this, my first start. So I mean all of us have Nintendo Switches, so we'd be playing Mario Kart, so I kind of keep my head, <laughs> I, I kind of focus on other things, and then when the day comes, we all in for, for the match. Well, one of his Nintendo mates is Jonathan Lewis. The roommates have emerged from the bench under Tehran to provide valuable minutes to the club and a chance to log time together. I think we have a lot of chemistry, as you know, we, we live together, so we're always together, and... I mean, we're both happy for each other, and just to see our hard work finally be rewarded is a good feeling for both of us. The challenge for Owuwa now is to find time uh, in, in that now-crowded midfield following the recent acquisitions of Eloy Amagat from Spain and the Argentine Valentin Castellanos. Yeah, I mean, I kind of keep that in the back of my mind, but honestly, I just focus on myself. That's how I've been since Patrick was here, since I first came to NYCFC. I just focus on what I have to do as an individual, and hopefully the opportunity comes, just be able to be prepared for opportunity, just be prepared as much as possible. And whatever the coach whatever decision the coach makes, he makes, and then just move on from him. just keep working hard in training. UConn alum Kwame Awua, selected in the first round of the 2017 MLS Super Draft, uh, number 16 overall by NYCFC. Now, in regard to the pair of summer transfers, Toronto gave his thoughts on both players. First, the 33-year-old Amagat, who played for Toronto over a dozen years ago at Girona in Spain. He has uh, a lot of experience to play in the second division, the first division in Spain. I, I worked with him 12 years ago when Aloy was 19. Uh, he was an amazing player because uh, he can play in three different positions in the midfielder. The, he has quality to play. Uh, it's very similar. It's in between, in between uh, for me, it's my opinion, between Ringy and, and Maxi Morales. No? He's, a, he's a good player for us. He's, uh, right now, uh, uh, he come here just for four months. 
but uh, he if uh, he's able to to convince uh, the club maybe extend the contract I, I don't know but uh, right now they they know exactly uh, how they speak uh, about him uh, in four months because uh, I know this player uh, for a long time and at the opposite end of the age spectrum here's the scouting report on the teenager Castellanos uh, he's a fast player he can play striker winger left right even number 10 he has quality to play in the next uh, two three games maybe in Europe because he's a young player and the most important thing he's, uh, for, for us is uh, very, very important because uh, they can play in three or four uh, positions in, uh, when we play, uh, especially like the last, imagine the last 10 minutes here with uh, two uh, strikers in uh, like uh, double six and Castellanos. Well, you can sense Torrance's fondness of the attacking midfielder, suggesting he could have used him in Seattle and predicting that he could one day play in Europe. A pair of Europeans selected to represent the MLS All-Stars against Juventus on Wednesday, David Villa of Spain and Finland's Alex Ring. The club announced that Villa, who has missed the last six games with a right knee injury, uh, would miss the All-Star game, which is the best decision for Villa and the club, a decision that there was little choice of due to an MLS rule because if you fail to appear at the All-Star game, then you have to sit out the next club match, which for uh, New York City is Saturday at Yankee Stadium against Vancouver. So City was hoping that Villa would be fit for the match, but chose not to send their captain to Atlanta to make a cameo appearance in order to be available for selection in the next regular season match. So we've already presented Terrell's views on the recent MLS schedule uh, for his side. Now I'm going to present my view on the MLS All-Star Game and NYCFC's decision to keep Villa home. Does the league think that Villa has been faking the knee injury? He's been out for half a dozen games and the doctor and team physicians say he's close to fitness. But why risk it at the All-Star game? Is it better for the league to have Villa available for a match that counts instead of forcing him to travel, train, and then play in an All-Star game and then try to come back and play? The club, they made the right decision to keep Villa home. No one knows if he will be fit or, or would have been fit for Saturday or not. Regardless, MLS left little choice for New York City. And it's a mandate that the league may want to review because in this case, the VIA decision was not in the best interests of MLS. A former member of the Manhattan Soccer Club and New York City FC, Jack Harrison. He's been training with Manchester City this preseason, and on Monday it was announced that Harrison would be loaned to Leeds in the English Championship. Harrison signed by Manchester City from NYC in February and then immediately loaned to Middlesbrough, where his time and development were limited. About two months ago, I sat with Harrison's agent, Remy Charon, of Remington Ellis Management uh, here in the city. We pick up the story with Harrison still a member of the club in 2017 and his first international call-up for England with the U-21s. From the time he landed in New York and started to play and look effective till the time that he was eventually uh, transferring to Manchester City. So, so after year one, I mean, we were getting a lot of interest in Belgium and Holland, France, those types of countries. But, you know, we knew that where he was in his contract and the, the splits with transfer fees from the league, that none of these countries were going to be able to get it done where New York City valued him um, at that point. So um, after the, the, England, the England call really changed everything because I think it, it provided a lot of 
credibility to the player in the league. And then when he went in and they're like, oh, wow, he's a good player, you know. Um, and I, I was there that first training session. He was, you know, f- fit in perfectly with the group, if not one of the better players. And then we could say, hey, you know, you when teams in England reach out, it's like, well, you can call your under-21 coach and get a, get a referral on the player straight away. Because MLS is a Wasn't tough— Wasn't this following the— uh that journey, the where he had all, all kinds of issues uh, uh, getting to the site because uh, I, I don't remember it specifically, but I do remember he said he had to put the the the, the rescheduled flight on his own credit card. So he 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 had gotten called in. He scored that goal in the Montreal game, and he basically had two hours to get from Westchester Airport to JFK on a Sunday night, which you know you're you're from the area, you know, is impossible. So he got there to Westchester and is just sitting in an Uber in traffic and it became pretty clear he wasn't going to make his flight. Um, he, I mean, he was on the verge of tears. So I live in Brooklyn. So he came over and, uh, you know, he just, he just said, I'm going to book a flight and get there tomorrow morning. I'll take a car from London up to St. George's park. And really, uh, you know, he, he figured it out on his own. And I think that's a testament to, you know, it's, it's not so surprising, I think to us over here, because, you know, a lot of kids have college educations, they're well-educated, but it's a lot of the kids over there. It's you know they're um, how we might think of athletes like in the NBA or NFL for whatever reason that perception that they're less educated or less able to take care of themselves. I mean for him it was just look I'll book the flight if they pay me back great if not I, I got called to England I need to figure this out you know so because I think he had that upbringing and um, you know having a mom like his going to a school like Berkshire having that time at Wakeshire he knows how to tie his own shoes you know so it's not like you know, he needs someone wiping his butt all the time. He figured it out. And when he got there, it was kind of like England had qualified for the World Cup that day. And the uh, press officer came to me and said, Jack Story got more press than England qualifying mm. for the World Cup. I mean, it was just turned everything he touches seemingly turns into gold. So it was pretty, you know, he turned turned a bad situation into a very positive one. So how often are you on the phone after his arrival, his success there in camp? And now, uh, and that is where you started hearing reports. You never know how many of these reports. In fact, the agents are normally blamed yep. for uh, for leaking these reports. So, uh, what was what was your life like at that point? Yeah, it got it got pretty hectic. And then, of course, other agents kind of coming out of the woodwork, and um, so you have that that aspect of it too. But um, right around the playoffs, we had a bunch of teams over that were were watching Jack in the playoffs, scouting him live. I think there was about 10 or 12 from England, both in the championship and Prem. Um, he did all right. Um, I think the the real interest started to pick up going into the off season, And, you know, like you said, I mean, there's different, you know, the agents are responsible. Different agents would, would say, oh, I can get you to these three teams. And then it, the press over there is completely different. I mean, it's all football. You know, there's no soccer. There's no baseball. There's no basketball. You know, it's just it's all football. So any any football gossip is leaked in all the press you know it's the most important thing so you know for instance an agent might say oh, i can get you to leicester and everton they can go leak that to the press and say hey look i brought i brought that interest even though it may or may not be real so um i'd say around the combine is when the first offer from jack came in with stoke it was a pretty low offer um, but from there i kind of uh sped things up so to speak, and um, because of where Jack was in his uh, MLS contract, he was a generation Adidas player, which just quickly is a mechanism to get under underclassmen from college into MLS. They generally give him a bit more money um, in lieu of foregoing you know, some years of eligibility that they can or can't put towards um, an education when they're done, but they just generally get a higher wage. So because he had just finished his second season in MLS, the transfer fee split was 50% to MLS, 50% to New York City FC. So 
New York City FC basically said, you know, we value him at this. So, you know, basically you need to get twice as much if you want the deal to go through. So uh, we kind of went back and forth with Stoke. Some other teams got involved. Um, Man City came back to us and basically said, look, we, we'd like to keep you in the family. You know, we can we can beat this this best price that, you know, the best offer that's been made for you. Why don't you come in, stay in the group? Um, it's mid-January. It's going to be tough to find, you know, not to find a club, but to step into a club. You know, he hadn't played since Columbus in November, you know, so you're talking about almost three months. He had a couple weeks in preseason with New York, so, you know, he keeps fit, but he hasn't played a game in almost three months at this point, so want to, we'll purchase you now. Um, the biggest thing is, do, do you want to leave? And I think that was the biggest thing for Jack, where he loves New York. He loves being here. You know, he's back here for a few weeks in the summer. He'll be training. Um, you know, but for his career, he needed to move on, you know, and I think it was the right time. So they said, look, we'll we'll purchase you now. We'll put you on loan for the balance of the year. Let's see what happens. Hopefully we can find a good fit. Um, and then come January, either, you know, you'll come to Man City, you'll go on preseason and see what happens, or we'll try to find you another loan. And then City Football Group has about 10, 10 to 12 of these players that they've purchased and put on loan. Uh, Eric Palmer Brown's another American that's that's in that group. But, you know, like the the Aaron Moy model where they bought him, they brought him through Melbourne, brought him to the UK, put him on loan to Huddersfield, stayed with them in the, the championship. They got promoted and sold him for eightfold. So um, whether or not, you know, he ends up with City's first team or he's sold to another club, I think, you know, the next couple of years will will show. But like being a part of, you know, City Football Group is still a massive um you know, it's it's a, it's a massive benefit for for the player. So before we get to his loan spell at Middlesbrough, uh, the Stoke City that that resonated throughout the uh, preseason when these reports were coming out. How did it uh, ultimately become uh, Manchester City and not Stoke? Stoke was a real player in this, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. V- very real player. I mean, Man City beat their offer. Uh, you know, on the in the twelfth hour. I mean, that's really kind of what it came down to um stoke is a tradition of um bringing americans over there there's a there's a group an agency over there that has has worked with stoke and a lot of american players bringing them over there and they it's a group called bezix they've done a great job bringing american players over there so you know they alerted stoke and you know stoke was keen on the player they were over here they did their homework um paul lambert really liked him um but you know it was a team that was kind of bottom of the table um, you know, and City really wanted him. They said, "Look, we we really want you. You know, we can beat this offer. You know, we can give you the wages you want. We see you as a commodity." Is you know, there's a player over there now, a kid called James Madison that was at Norwich who had a decent year, very comparable to Jack in the England under 21s, had a great year, and now there's talks about him going to Liverpool for 35 million pounds. So, the the money over there is completely different than it is here. To get a player out of MLS for seven million US, that sounds like a lot for us, and most teams aren't willing to invest that from guys coming out of MLS but what Man City basically said is we can we can get you at a fraction of the price or I'm assuming this is how they they saw it why don't we buy you you know for pennies on the dollar and then if you do well we can sell you for 20 million pounds it's a pretty normal thing for both championship and prem clubs to spend that on players so I think that's where the value is so it's in their best interest to see him develop and either get to the first team for next to nothing or be sold and they can make a profit on him. How about the uh, so his Middlesbrough experience, uh, limited minutes? Uh, were there any concerns on your part, the fact that he got such little playing time? Yeah, I mean, of course. There's obviously some positives, like, you know, he's always, since he's been in the U.S., he's been the guy, you know. So I think going into a place and 
having to go through that is good because now he has that reference point because every player in Europe goes through a spell where they're not in the 11 or the 18. And, you know, for, for me with my guys, I try to let them know, like, you can't let your football dictate your happiness. If you're playing really well or really poorly or you're not playing at all, like, you have to figure out a way to, know, just keep a steady narrative all the time. So I think from that perspective it was a positive where he could say look I've been through this you know I know what it's like I know how to show up to train every day and keep a smile on my face and when I get called on I'll be ready you know and the limited minutes he got he he delivered you know he had a couple assists and I think two assists in nine minutes while he was over there that's Remy Sharon of Remington Ellis uh, management player agent uh, other than Jack Harrison his clients include uh, Quadwo Poku now with the Tampa Bay Rowdies Red Bulls goalkeeper Luis Robles and Columbus crew fullback Harrison Awful. As for Harrison, he now has a chance to learn from Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds, the former Argentina and Chile head coach. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Soccer City. Our next broadcast is Saturday, August the 4th, when New York City plays host to the exciting 17-year-old Alfonso Davies and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Join me along with former NYC defender Chris Wingert. I'm Glenn Crooks, and enjoy your week of soccer.